On today's show, I reveal my latest Eastern Conference playoff picture power rankings. Where did the Heat stack up against some of the teams with better records and why I trust them more than one of the hottest teams in the NBA? Then we wrap up with the five NBA All-Stars most likely to get traded. It's all coming up on today's Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked on Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg, editor at allyoucanheat.com. My co-host, Dave Vermill, is on his way to Indianapolis for All-Star, so going solo today. However, you're tuning in, YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. I'll get to the five players playing in this weekend's All-Star game that are most likely to get traded this summer later on. But I want to start with my Eastern Conference playoff picture power rankings. This is my list of teams in order of who just I think is best, not based on record, not best, not based on on net rating. It's these are the teams that I think are the best based on some of those factors and just me watching a bunch of basketball so far this season. Uh, I'm only ranking the teams with a chance to make the playoffs. So sorry to the Raptors, Hornets, Wizards, Pistons. We're not talking about you today. That leaves 11 teams. We're going to start with. Number 11 and count down from 11 to number one, one being the best team in the Eastern Conference. Let's start with number 11, and we have here the Brooklyn Nets. They're 21 and 33 right now. They have a net rating of minus 2.3. Like I said, uh, that stuff matters. It's not the whole story here that we're going to be talking about. They should be better than they are. They're not very good. (laughs) Okay, they're 12 games under 500 coming into this season. I thought this team would at least be top 10 defensively. You look at the personnel that this group has. Nick Claxton was uh, an almost defensive player of the year candidate last year. He was very, very good defensively. I thought he would still be very good defensively. He's been good. He's definitely taken a step back. Um, But then you look, okay, Mikal Bridges, Cameron Johnson, Dorian Finney-Smith. They had Royce O'Neal before they traded him. Like This team should have easily been top 10 in defense. I think there was always going to be questions about how they scored, especially when it wasn't Cam Thomas points, but uh, they have been very good offensively and they've been very bad defensively. They rank 21st in defensive rating. Again, I thought they would be top 10 in defensive rating at minimum, but they are giving up 116.8 points uh, every 100 possessions. That's worse than the Kings. That's worse than the Mavericks. That's worse than the Warriors. They're only going to get worse because they traded Royce O'Neal and Spencer Dinwiddie at the trade deadline. Uh, So they they didn't get any better. So they're in my group called the last gasp, okay? And the reason why they're in this group, and I think the other two teams in this group are going to be a little bit less surprising, but I kind of think this is it for Brooklyn. I think it's very fair to wonder what their plan is. Um, The pieces that they brought back for James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant. They are not rebuilding aged. Mikal Bridges, Cameron Johnson, and Ben Simmons are all 27 years old. Finney Smith is 30. Other than Cam Thomas, who, you know, is a good young player, but kind of tops out. And sorry, Nets fans, to say this because they really hate when you say this, but he kind of tops out as a sixth man at best. The dude doesn't pass. He's Kelly Oubre, but shorter. Like, I I just don't know that there's a whole lot there uh, in terms of, like that's that guy's not carrying your franchise. He's not even really carrying your offense. 
uh, because he doesn't really get other guys involved as much as you'd like him to get other guys involved. So look, they're all sort of on the other side of 27 years old. And if they were competing for a playoff spot, I would understand keeping this group together and just sort of adding to this core. But this season showed that they're not good enough. And if they want to make any major improvements, it's probably going to cost one of those pieces, whether it's Bridges or Cam Johnson. Um, and I, I just don't think that this is a team that can realistically look at it, itself in the mirror and, and and think that they are a piece away because they're not based on what we've seen this season. And so I, I look at this team, and even though they're kind of young, it feels like they this is sort of the end. And I know they just got together because they just made all these trades, and they don't have their draft picks, which is a whole other thing. But they have draft picks. They can trade these guys for more draft picks and just sort of reset this thing. There's some good young players sort of lower on the depth chart that they can experiment with, but it just it feels like this is it for Brooklyn, and uh, the, the proof of concept isn't there, and it feels like big changes need to be made over the summer. All right. Number 10, we have the Atlanta Hawks. We have the Atlanta Hawks. They are 24 and 31, net rating of minus 2.4. The vibes are not good in Atlanta. And now there's rumors starting to swirl about Trey Young's future with the Hawks. This is just not a team from a karma perspective that seems destined to make an extended playoff run, if you know what I mean. Like, the vibes are not good. There's absolutely zero chemistry with this team. Jalen Johnson is probably, he's a very good player. He might be the only bright spot in the entire season for the Hawks. The Quinn Snyder hiring hasn't really worked out that much. I I just haven't seen that much of an impact. I haven't seen that much of a difference in terms of production. Sure, they play a little bit different now than they did under Nate McMillan, but it hasn't really mattered because Trey Young is just going to be Trey Young. Like You can't change who a player is fundamentally and I think Trey Young is a very good player he's he's giving way more effort defensively this year I I don't think you could sit here and say he's the worst defender in the NBA anymore which I think was the case the last two years uh he's a genius passer a genius playmaker if you have him running your offense chances are you're going to be a top 10 offense he's that good but he isn't exactly a winner either and it feels like he needs to pair himself with somebody who is a winner and when you look around and 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 you're you look at the reports about the teams that are could be interested in Trey Young this summer, it starts to make sense. Um, the Lakers, you know, you have one of the great winners ever in LeBron James, Anthony Davis, like that. Those two those two guys won a championship together. Could they move Austin Reeves three first round picks this summer, some other salary? Does that really do it if you're Atlanta? I don't know. I don't know what they would be looking for. It feels like that's coming up short. The Spurs reportedly had conversations with the Hawks about trading for Trey Young before the deadline. They've got a ton of picks that they could throw at the Hawks just to to juice their rebuild. They could throw in, would it cost them Devin Vassell? Could they keep him out of it and give him a Keldon Johnson and some other pieces? We'll see. But I like the idea of pairing Trey Young with Victor Webinyama. That, to me, makes a lot of sense. Uh, But look, if Atlanta, they were trying to trade DeJounte Murray, they didn't really get anything back for him. I don't know that the offers are going to be that much better this summer. I think we kind of know what DeJounte Murray is, which is, about an above-average point guard. He's not really an all-star. He's probably never going to make another all-star game again in his career. Defensively, he just hasn't shown those signs lately. I think Miami, like the Heat, when they decided to trade for uh, less stuff, but when they decided to trade for Terry Rozier over DeJounte Murray, I think a lot of other front offices across the league said, well, that front office is really smart, and they didn't want DeJounte Murray. 
So maybe we don't want DeJounte Murray anymore. So it feels like this could be the end of something in Atlanta. Number nine, the Chicago Bulls. 26 and 29, net rating of minus 1.4. They might as well change this team name to the Nowheresville Bulls because that's where they've been for the last decade. The last time the Bulls won 60% of their games was the year that Jimmy Butler was A, on the Bulls, and B, named the league's most improved player. That's how long it's been. That was three Kendrick Lamar albums ago, in other words. So, uh, and Kendrick Lamar takes like four years between albums. So that speaks to uh, how long it's been. It's been an eternity, right? They've gone through, what, three different rebuilds since trading Jimmy Butler? Um, and they still haven't won 60% of their games. And they've always just sort of been this play-in at the end of the playoff mix. Bulls fans know this. They've been clamoring for a rebuild for years. The franchise, the front office has been reluctant to do it. But this season, they might be finally forced to do it, at least this offseason. They already were unsuccessful in trying to trade for Zach, uh, try to trade Zach Levine at the deadline. They're probably going to try doing that again over the summer when cap space loosens up across the league and maybe it'll be a little bit easier. DeMar DeRozan is a free agent. He can leave to go help a contender. Um, and if the Bulls were smart, I think that they would just start uh, building around Kobe White, who's been awesome for them this year. Patrick Williams, who's under a team-friendly deal going forward. Uh, trade Alex Caruso, trade Nikola Vucevic, try to get some picks back and some other rebuilding parts. Um, and that's that's what Bulls fans want. And it feels like we might be headed to a point where they can't help it because they're already trying to trade Levine and DeRozan can walk out the door. And then that's that's the core that they've been trying to build around. That's two of the guys. Um, and so they might be forced into a rebuild and that, that's, that'll be for the best. Um, all right, we're going to continue with our Eastern Conference playoff picture power rankings, including where do the Heat rank? Where do the Heat rank? We'll get to that next here on Locked on Heat. Today's episode of Locked on Heat is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked on Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay's Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. He's got... Marvin Bagley III, Asar Thompson, Taylor Hendricks, Cody Martin, and Benedict Matherin. And I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I kind of like Marvin Bagley III. He had a run of good games when he first got traded to Washington from Detroit after the deadline, uh, or or before the deadline, really, um, because they made that move a little bit earlier. And then the Wizards went ahead and traded Daniel Gafford to Dallas. So Bagley's only going to get more playing time. He's a guy, like, defensively, yeah, there's still going to be concerns, but he... He gets you points. He gets you rebounds. And if you're just looking to to check those boxes on your fantasy team, I think you could do a lot worse than Marvin Bagley III. I can't believe we're here, but hey, good for him. Former number two pick. Um, I would go that direction. I really would. Josh Lloyd from Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship. And eBay Motors knows a championship, uh, championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same thing goes for your vehicle. Uh, look, I... I had to replace my uh, my right front headlight the other day. Somebody, some jerk, hit it, hit and run situation. So I had to I had to deal with it on my own. I went to eBay Motors to find a replacement park. It could not have been easier. The, the The right part came up within two seconds of searching for it on eBay Motors. I bought it. I was able to bring it back. And I would love to tell you that I sat here and installed it. I don't know how to do that. I took it to a shop, but I didn't have to ask them to order the part. It saved me a bunch of money on the front end with over 122 million parts of your for your 
number one ride or die. You can make sure that your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof rack, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply welcome back to locked on heat thanks for making locked on heat your first listen every day make sure you're subscribed on youtube and on your favorite podcast app locked on has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on youtube Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Continuing here with our Eastern Conference playoff picture power rankings, number eight, we got the Orlando Magic. They're 30 and 25. Net rating is a plus 1.0. They are a flawed team, but one that knows what their strengths are. The Magic's defense is their strength. They are fifth in defensive rating. And when they really get going, this team is scary with its length that they have. Paolo Bencaro, Franz Wagner, Wendell Carter Jr. Um, you know, when Jonathan Isaac is healthy and playing, like Jalen Suggs is an absolute menace, like just fiercely fighting over those screens. I love watching him play. Uh, they could just They could just put you in the mud for multiple possessions in a row. The problem is that their offense can end up in the mud for multiple possessions in a row, too. They're 24th in offensive rating. I don't see how this team is going to score in a playoff setting. But, look, Paolo Bancaro's game kind of lends itself to the playoffs. Franz Wagner's game, same thing, kind of lends itself to the playoffs. And I don't think expectations are very high. They're just here for the experience. They are in their own bracket, which I've called here for the experience by themselves, uh, because I don't think expectations are very high. But... They do need to get to the playoffs. They need to do every, or I should say, they should do everything they can to make a playoff run, even though the expectations aren't there. Give Paolo, give Franz a taste of playoff basketball, okay? Get your guys a taste of what playoff basketball is so that they know what they have to work on this summer and how they need to improve going into next season because I think the team, the front office, they know what they need to get, right? They're going to go out and get a point guard, maybe a Trey Young team there. Mm, I don't know if I love that. Scratch that. All right. Um, Orlando, they need some guard play. They need all those things. They're going to front office. are probably going to go out this summer and do that. But then Paolo Bencaro and Franz Wagner, if they get a taste of playoff basketball, it's only going to help them going into next season. So they're only here for the experience. Next category. Would it be that crazy? One team in this category too. It's the Indiana Pacers record is 31 and 25. Their net rating is plus 1.3. Here's why I don't think it would be that crazy. For the Pacers to make a little bit of a run. I'm not picking, I'm not going to sit here and pick them to go to the finals or the Eastern Conference Finals, but I don't think it would be that crazy for them to win a series in the playoffs, even against even if they sort of back into it as one of the, the, the last two seeds. Like they have shown this year, whether it's the run of the through the in-season tournament, getting all the way to the final there in Vegas. They've got signature wins over the Bucs. They basically have the Bucs number. They're 3-1 and one against Milwaukee this year. They've beaten the Sixers at full strength. They've beaten the Celtics at full strength this season. Those wins show that they can hang with the best teams in the East. And they're a weird team because they can get hot and go on those runs. They can also go on stretches of losing a bunch of games in a row. And I think it's why their record isn't as good as it, it could be. Even though it's 31-25, and 25, it's a good record. It's, sort of, it's right there with Miami's record. But um, they've lost three or more games in a row. 
three different times this season. So like they got, they kind of just get in the mud. They kind of just get in their own way, take a step back for a few games in a row, and then they kind of get back on on track. But they always play up to their competition when we're talking about going up against the top teams in the Eastern Conference. Halliburton's a gamer. The Pacers have a net rating of plus 3.0 in the games that he's played. He missed some time with a hamstring injury. So that's closer to a net rating of a team like the Milwaukee Bucks, who we'll get to later on. Um, and by the way, they they just acquired recently Pascal Siakam, who has championship-winning experience. So I can't rank the Pacers any higher than this. But uh, And look, and I think in a seven-game series, like they could get exposed, especially defensively. But I like that team. Halliburton can be you know, the best or second best player in any series, no matter who they play in the Eastern Conference. And I don't know that I want to go against that team either. Would it be that crazy if they won a first round series? I don't think so. Next category, we have this, we're going to call this group the limping challengers, the limping challengers. We got some teams dealing with injuries. And the first one is the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks below the Miami Heat. Knicks fans are losing their minds right now. Okay, I'll get to that here in a second. But the good things about the Knicks. Few teams were as hot as the Knicks before a couple of injuries threw a rock into the machinery for them recently. They lost four straight games uh, going into the All-Star break. They're dealing with injuries to OG Ananobi and Julius Randle. But when this team was healthy and is healthy, they are every bit a contender in the East. I do believe that, okay? Jalen Brunson is worthy of making MVP ballots. He should definitely be on some of them. ESPN's latest straw poll, which I contribute to, somebody voted him number one. And I wouldn't go that far. I think that's a little too much. Uh, it would not surprise me if that was a New York-based media member. Um, I, I didn't have him on my ballot. I didn't have him on my top five, but I really considered it. I think Donovan Mitchell was the last guy on there because Cleveland has been that good, and we'll get to them later on, obviously, too. But he's going to he's gonna be part of that conversation, and I'm going to consider him again when I do my ballot next time uh, later in this season. Tom Thibodeau's defense, you know what you're going to get. They rank third in defensive rating since adding OG Ananobi. And with Ananobi, they have, unlike last year, somebody who can guard Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler in a playoff series. Uh, between Brunson, Julius Randle, and Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks, they're going to make enough shots in the regular season. Here's my, here's where I rank them below where I think a lot of other people would rank the Knicks right now because a lot of people are talking about the Knicks. And a lot of people are talking to them like, oh, don't be surprised if they make the finals. Don't like they're a contender. And that's the way they're talking about him. And I think it's probably gone too far that way. I still have a question about whether they can score in a playoff series. Uh, I have no doubt that Jalen Brunson can score in a playoff series. That dude is a gamer. Uh, he he has all the wiggle. He knows all the angles. He just always finds a way to get to the basket. And his pull-up three is maybe the one most improved skill in the NBA this season. And I say that as somebody who's watched Duncan Robinson make layups this year. Okay, what he's doing from a pull-up three-point range is insane. I have no doubt he can score, but can they score as a team? Last year, they had an offensive rating of 107.6. That was their playoff offensive rating. That was the worst of any team that got beyond one round in the playoffs. I don't trust Julius Randle in the playoffs. Sorry, I don't trust him. I don't trust him. He's given me no reason to trust him. OJ Ananobi can make open shots. He's a good cutter. He's not creating much of his own stuff. Uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, is that really the answer? He's a really good player. He's a very good player. Are the top teams in the East scared of Boyan Bogdanovich? I don't think that they are. Alec Burks is a nice bench piece. Alec Burks has also played for a billion teams over the last few years for a reason. I think he's good for the Knicks. I have no problem with Alec Burks. I covered him in Golden State. But he, we're not talking about a world beater here either. So um, 
I don't I don't know. I don't I don't know if I trust them to score enough points. And that would be my one hang up with them. It, you know, they can answer maybe those questions uh, over the next 30 or so games. Now we get to number five. We get to our Miami Heat. Their record is 30 and 25. They have a net rating of plus 0.3. Uh, the injuries here makes it nearly impossible to judge this team. Terry Rozier, Josh Richardson, both those guys, as we know, they're going to miss a few more weeks with injuries. Jimmy Butler missed some time going into the All-Star break. Uh, he's missed so much time this year that he's been eliminated from all NBA consideration. He can no longer make any of those teams because he's not going to meet the 65-game minimum. Um, and the Heat have been healthy for only a few stretches all season long, and we just were in one. We just had it. And then Terry Rozier sprains his knee against the Celtics. Josh Richardson dislocates his shoulder in the same game. Jimmy Butler has to miss time, excused absence, attending to a death in the family. Uh, but the good news is that he should be refreshed on the other side of the All-Star break. Um, he's going to have had almost three weeks off or, or two two weeks off at that point. Um, and so he should be refreshed and ready to go. And he was playing his best two-way basketball of the whole season prior to, to the excused absence. Um, like I said, they've won six of their last eight going into all-star, including the back-to-back -back wins against Milwaukee and Philadelphia in the last two nights. Um, and Eric Spolstra has landed on rotations that work. He's leaning into rotations with Jimmy Butler plus the bench, which makes Jimmy kind of go Jimmy time. And then he, and then when Jimmy Butler's on the bench, he keeps Tyler Hero and Bam out of bio and Terry Rozier out there so that they could just run pick and roll with Bam and and you become a pick and roll offense that plays with a little bit of a faster pace, spreads the floor, and I really like those units. The Heat are deep. Um, I still think their best basketball is ahead of them, and we know that Eric Spolster is going to have his team peaking at the right time, and I still think that Eric Spolster is the most dominant person in the Eastern Conference side of the bracket. He was last year. It was a big reason why the Heat got all the way to the NBA Finals, and he's, good, he's just the best coach in the NBA, and so he's going to have his team He's going to be pulling all the right levers, pushing all the right buttons in any playoff series. He's going to have his team ready to play. So I have them number five. We'll get to the rest of the top four in the Eastern Conference on the other side of this. Plus, which players playing in this weekend's All-Star game are likely to get traded this summer? It's coming up next year on Locked on Heat. Today's episode is brought to you by Robinhood. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you could still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar that you transfer in from other retirement accounts with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thankful thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info, claim uh, as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. All right, let's roll through the final four here. Eastern Conference playoff picture rankings, and we'll get to some of the all-stars who I think uh, should be monitored in terms of getting traded this summer. Number four is the Philadelphia 76ers. They're 32 and 22. They have a net rating of plus 4.5. I think a lot of people are sleeping on the Philadelphia 76ers, if I'm being honest. Writing him off after Joel Embiid's injury, and I get it. We don't know when when he'll be back. We don't know what he'll look like. 
When he does get back, he's been diagnosed with a displaced flap in the meniscus of his left knee. Uh, I don't know what that means, but based on the fact that he needed surgery for it and that he's going to be reevaluated in four weeks after that, sounds pretty bad. And we don't know what he's going to look like when he gets back. Uh, so that's going to be like beginning of March that he's going to get reevaluated. And then I guess we'll get another update from there. But uh, Daryl Morey told reporters recently that he's optimistic that Embiid can come back this year and play at an MVP level. So that's good. I don't really know what else he's supposed to say, but that that's out there, I guess. Um, here's the thing. If Joel Embiid returns to 80% of what he was prior to the injury, the 76ers are still contenders. He was that good before getting hurt. He was having maybe the best scoring season ever for any player, any position prior to getting hurt. So if he could be 80% of that, they're still going to be good. He's still going to be seven feet tall and be able to anchor that defense. Um, Tyrese Maxey seems like a guy who gets buckets in the playoffs. Uh, I think trading for Buddy Heald is going to help them. They needed shooting around Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey to space the floor, but also as a guy who you could count on to make shots. Embiid's playmaking has taken it up a notch this year, so he's just a guy that can help Embiid rack up some of those assists also. Um, I think Heald's going to play well playing next to Joel Embiid when eventually that happens. So I'm not counting him out. I'm just not doing it. And I think Embiid has... When he's been out there, he's been eliminated from the MVP conversation because of the 65-game minimum. He's not going to make it. But he's been the best player on the court for any team this year when he's been out there. So I can't write him off. Number three, uh, we're going to move on to our next category. We're calling these the card-carrying contenders. These are guys who are just bona fide contenders, have noted out about them, and I think people are going to be surprised by this, but I got the Cleveland Cavaliers at number three. They're 36 and 17. They have a net rating of plus 5.8. They've won 18 of their last 20 games. They are the hottest team in the NBA. And even though they might be flying under the radar, I'm telling you that talent should be getting way more attention. Donovan Mitchell, first and foremost, is playing at an MVP caliber level. I mentioned uh, that I, I voted on the ESPN MVP straw poll. Donovan Mitchell was on my ballot. He's been that good. His numbers are just a hair short of Shea Gilgis Alexander, who I put number two. I put Jokic number one, Giannis uh, number three. I might have put Mitchell four and Kawhi five. I might be flipping them. Kawhi might have been four and Donovan Mitchell might have been five, but still. Um, he's playing at an MVP caliber level. Jarrett Allen is becoming a fulcrum of their offense. He's anchoring the league's top-ranked defense since January 1st. That's how good they've been. And they were winning a lot of those games without Evan Mobley and Darius Garland. Both of those guys are back. I love what J.B. Bickerstaff is doing. He's keeping the Donovan Mitchell-Jarrett Allen pairing together. He's staggering those two together against the minutes of Evan Mobley and Darius Garland, so he keeps Mobley and Garland together. So you're not losing that lineup that was working so well when Mobley and Garland were out. Uh, they actually get to play long stretches of the game together. So they're keeping that and then building on top of it with Mobley and Garland, who are awesome players. I don't know. Other than the Celtics, there's no team in the East that could put this much proven all-star caliber talent on the court. Like, just on paper, past the Celtics, they have the best starting five in the NBA, in the Eastern Conference, on paper. And that's all we have right now with the Cavaliers. I, I don't think they're being taken seriously, though. We're talking about them as, hey, hot team. Like, what's going on here? They're not being taken uh, seriously as contenders because of, A, last season's playoff flameout to the Knicks. That was a bad look by the Cavs. They totally wilted. Jared Allen included. They all wilted. Donovan Mitchell hasn't had a great playoff series for, like, three years now. So I get it. If you're going to hold that against them, I understand. I think that's the big reason why they're not being taken uh, seriously. Uh, they're not being taken seriously as contenders. It's also the post-LeBron Cavs. They haven't really done much 
when when they haven't had LeBron James. But they have the profile of a serious contender. And at some point, that profile speaks volumes, and I'm noticing it. I've watched a lot of Cavaliers games recently because I wrote a piece about them recently for Real GM. Uh, I'm taking them seriously. I just am. I have them at number three. Number two is the Milwaukee Bucks. It's simple here. They're 35 and 20, net rating of plus 3.2. Just swapped out Adrian Griffin, hired Doc Rivers. It comes down to this. Giannis and Damian Lillard. I know the chemistry is not there where it should be at this stage. Uh, I know they've. it's been just a really raggedy season for them. They've gone through the coaching change, but I still believe in them. I still believe in that two-man game of Giannis and Dame. I still think when it's if that game is close and they're in crunch time, I don't know that there's a better two-man game in the Eastern Conference than Giannis and Dame. I don't know that there's one. I don't know that anybody in the East even has an answer for it. Boston would be the, probably the closest thing because they can kind of flatten it out with their length and, and switch on defense. But even then, I just... It's Giannis, man, and he's. I had him number three in my MVP straw poll for a reason. He's been that good defensively. He's back to being dominant lately. Uh, I I watched him go. It wasn't a great look for him against Miami the other night, but that was on the second night of back to back. He played the Denver Nuggets on that first night of that set, and he's done as good a job on Nikola Jokic as I've seen anybody do over the last three years, and he's done that twice in the last month. So that dude is there. Okay, I don't need to explain that. It's Giannis, um, and if he doesn't get hurt. This team can make a real run here. Um, it's the toughest puzzle to solve. By the way, by the way, their defensive rating since hiring Doc Rivers ninth. So they haven't started. They haven't gotten the wins yet, but the process has been good. Number one is the Boston Celtics. They're forty three and twelve. They have a net rating of plus ten point three. Even if you take garbage timeout, which cleaning the glass does, they're plus ten. They're number one by far in net rating. I I don't know what else to do. Look, I know this is a Heat podcast, but I don't want to lie to you guys. They're the team to beat in the Eastern Conference. It doesn't mean they can't be beaten. I still have my own questions about Boston. I think they could be a little soft at times. I don't think they get to the foul line enough. If that three, they are very reliant on three point shooting and isolation stuff. And if those three point shots aren't falling in the play in a in a playoff series, they can get beaten. All right, Kristaps Porzingis, the injury, like I, the injury concern with that is scary for Celtics fans. If you listen to any Celtics podcast or read any Celtics column. They're all kind of, they all bring up Porzingis and their injury concerns with him. I get it. Okay. But to pick anybody else at number one right now would be ignoring the body of work. It would be ignoring the talent. It would be attributing past failures to this team that is very changed. Joe Mazzulla has a real coaching staff with real assistance on that bench next to him. He's actually done a good job coaching that team this year. I, he did a bad job last year. He did a, he's done a good job this year uh, in his second season. Um, Kristaps Porzingis is there. He's changed that team. Drew Holiday is there. He's changed that team. Derek White is getting more of a run without Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon there. He's a really good player. Not an all-star, and I'm glad he didn't. I'm glad the Boston Media Mafia didn't get him in onto the all-star team, but he's still a very good player. This team is loaded. I like some of the additions they made at the deadline. Um, getting Xavier Tillman, Springer, those guys. You have to put them number one. Again. I don't, it's not that they're impossible to beat. We're not talking about the Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Golden State Warriors dynasty here. They're very far from that. But to put anybody else, number one, would just be flatly lying, lying to yourself. They can be beat. I'm not counting out the Miami Heat in a playoff series against anybody, but that's the team. All right. We've gone long here, but I think it was worth it. I thought that was a good, uh, I thought we, this has been a good chance to sort of at the all-star break kind of zoom out, take stock of the Eastern Conference. I think we did that. I wanted to try to get it into 20 minutes. We ended up doing it in 30 minutes, whatever. Uh, let's move on to the top five players playing in this weekend's All-Star game that I think 
could get traded this summer. Number And we're going to go five to one. Number five being the least likely to get traded. Number one being the most likely to get traded. We're going to fly through these. Number one, number five of my all-stars most likely to get traded, but this one's the least likely of the most likely ones. It's LeBron James. I know the, the that ESPN report came out that the Warriors tried to trade for him and, the, and all this stuff. Look, I know that he wants to win. I, I think he thinks he could still win with the Lakers. I'm not sure he can't. They're going to have three first-round picks that they could trade this year. Who knows what kind of changes they can make. I just, I, I still have a hard time seeing him leave L.A. I think he's going to try to bring guys to L.A. I don't see him going to Golden State. He was basically asked if he wanted to go. He said no. I don't know why he would change his mind in a couple of months. Where else is he going to go? He's going to opt out. He's going to sign a, a lucrative long-term deal with the Lakers. That's the expectation. I guess he could opt out and sign with the Sixers. All right, like, am I going to Philadelphia to play with Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey? I think the Sixers are loaded. I, but if I'm LeBron, do I trust Embiid to stay healthy? No. And Maxey's an awesome player, but I'm not, like, moving my family across the country to go play with him either. I think he saves the Lakers. Kevin Durant is number four. Kevin Durant, more likely to get traded than LeBron? Yeah, I think so. Durant has always had a wandering eye. He's always looking for something more. And by the way, if you've not been paying attention, the Suns have won a bunch of games in, uh, lately. But they're still kind of at the the fringe of like legit playoff teams in the Western Conference. If it does, if Bradley Beal can't stay healthy. Devin Booker's dealt with his own injury concerns. He's a great player when he's playing, uh, and that team has absolutely no depth. Like Nurkic has been fine. I like the Royce O'Neal addition for them, and they'll have another summer to address it. They have an owner that's willing to spend. I think all of those things. If I'm Kevin Durant, I like all of those things. If I'm also Kevin Durant, do I really want to jump ship again? But also, I've been doing that my entire career, and people still love me. So what's the difference? If I, I don't know. If this team flames out and doesn't win a playoff series, would anybody be surprised if Kevin Durant started looking around? I wouldn't. Number three is Carl Anthony Towns. We've covered this topic before. We'll cover it again here. Uh, the Timberwolves are awesome. They have one of the best three records in the Western Conference. Uh, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. If it's, a, if it's an early flameout and ownership doesn't feel like paying what is going to be an extremely expensive team, then the guy that makes sense to trade is Carl Anthony Towns. They're not trading Anthony Edwards. He's the face of the franchise. You're not moving him, period, end of story. Rudy Gobert, you could move him, but he's probably going to win Defensive Player of the Year this year. He's got a good partnership with Ant. Uh, he's anchoring your defense, and I don't know what you're going to get back from him uh, for him in a deal. You're not getting back what you sent out for him, that's for sure, and his contract's not that bad. He's a free agent in a couple of years. If you really wanted to move off of him and rebuild around Anthony Edwards, you could do it then. If you were going to save money, Carl Anthony Towns is about to uh, have a contract extension kick in that's going to pay him $13 million more next year and upwards of $61 million by the end of it. If you're looking to save money, that's the place to do it. If they trade Cat, that's I think the Heat have to make a phone call. He is a prototypical, exactly what you're looking for, next to Bam. Could stretch the floor as a legit good three-point shooter, not just a good three-point shooter for a big man. One of the better three-point shooters in the NBA at any position. Rebounds. Uh, can take some of the scoring load off of Bam and off of Jimmy Butler. Just makes a lot of sense. Number two is Trey Young. We already talked about it. And number one is Donovan Mitchell. Covered this topic a lot. I think the Cavs are legit title contenders. With that comes certain expectations. If the Cavs flame out the way they did in the playoffs last year, and everybody across the NBA already thinks that there's no way he's resigning with Cleveland after next season. So he's going to he's probably going to be a free agent after next season. If you're Cleveland, do you just say, look, Thanks for the time. You've already made it clear that you're not going to resign with us, or at the very least, you're not going to commit to us long-term. You're not going to sign an extension. If he doesn't do it, they almost have to look to trade him. 
it would be almost irresponsible not to. I think there's some value in saying, you know what? Screw it. Let's just write it out one more year. This team's really good. We believe in it. Maybe we can win a championship next year. And then he walks Kawhi Leonard style. Sure. You could definitely roll the dice. And I think there's some validity to that. I think there's definitely a merit into doing that. But we just don't see that very often, especially with young stars um, on young teams that can still get better. So I think Donovan Mitchell can get traded. Does he have an eye for New York? Do the Knicks want to trade with for him? And pair him with Jalen Brunson? I don't know. We covered the Nets earlier. I don't know that he's the piece that puts the Nets over the top. And if you have to part, you're going to have to part with Mikel Bridges or Cam Johnson or a bunch of these other guys anyway. I don't think that team's that good just because they add Donovan Mitchell and lose some pieces. So I don't think Brooklyn's a real place for Donovan Mitchell to go to either. either. I don't think he's signing an extension in Brooklyn. Maybe the Knicks, but again, I don't know. Like they've got Jalen Brunson. He's the face of the franchise. You're going to bring another guard in to take the touches away from him? No. I think you need other stuff with him. More of a scoring wing. Guys like that. Big people. Donovan Mitchell doesn't necessarily fit them. The Lakers? They have three first-round picks. Am I really getting up for Austin Reeves if I'm Cleveland? I think the Heat could be in the running for Donovan Mitchell this summer. And he's my number one all-star, most likely, to get traded among the all-stars playing this weekend. David Ramil, my co-host, is in Indianapolis. He's going to have content for you on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, he'll be recording some YouTube shorts, I think. So check out all of that content over the weekend. Jaime Akash Jr. in the dunk contest and the Rising Stars Challenge. Bam Adebayo in the All-Star Game. We will be back uh, early next week. We're going to take Monday off because we're both going to be traveling. We'll be back on Tuesday with another episode sort of recapping All-Star Weekend. But for now, thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube and follow us on your podcast app.